Glad to see you here. We have a loaded show for you today. From drug sniffing dogs losing their jobs. To aliens getting too high to fly our skies. And in Florida, patient numbers are getting as high as we are. We interview the Kush Queen herself, Olivia Alexander. So stick around for an all new episode. Yo, I'm Sunny D. And I'm Captain J. And, and we're, we're the, the Pot Smoking Moms. If you like our show, please rate, review, subscribe, share, and just be friends with us on all social medias. Potsmokingmoms.com is the website. Uh, we have all of our events, pictures, all kinds of stuff there. So please check out our website. But before we get into the show, we got to start with our smoke sesh, right? Yeah, we got some good to smoke. If you got something at home, get it ready because we're about to do a smoke sesh with our sponsor, Fluent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you got there that you're smoking? I packed myself a bowl of La Bamba. It's a hybrid, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a hybrid bread from Breed, from Wedding Cake and Jet Fuel Gelato that offers a well-balanced cannabis experience. Its aroma and flavor are characterized by a mix of citrus and pine with a gassy sweetness. La Bamba is a great for the, those looking for a boost of creative energy, coupled with a relaxing body high. Carophylline, limonene, and myrcene are the terpenes in this strain. Ooh. I got uh, one that I like. And I usually get affluent. It's called Locals Only. It's an indica dominant hybrid cross from ChemDog and Wi Fi OG. Rarer than a tourist at your favorite dive, Locals Only produces deeply relaxing physical effects ideal for a knockout night. Spicy pine and diesel aromas and flavors round out the experience best suited for a seasoned consumers. In addition, users of Locals Only have noted benefits in relieving symptoms associated with insomnia, chronic pain, PTSD, and appetite loss. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Mmm, I got to use a new little bowl, so the flavors are packing. Yeah, it's always nice when it's everything's fresh. Right. Well, a very special thank you to our patrons. Um, become a patron, you know, to see <coughs> extra content, be a part of our Discord, get exclusive merch like this shirt I'm wearing right now. We give to our top tier patrons. Um, so yeah, that'd be great. Join our community. Go on vacation with us. I know we got so many perks. We have a discord. We're always jumping on there and doing smoke sessions. 
So, oh my God, they've almost become daily, like I at know. least three or four, three times a week. It's like whenever we can, if you know, and it's a lot Someone of times. Someone pops in, it's like anybody around for a sesh and then whoever's there jumps yeah. in. And a lot of times when they say it, I'm about to go smoke anyway, you know, so hey, it exactly. works out. Can contribute as a patron. Hey, that is cool. You just listening to us is a lot. It's, we love it. We thank, we're thankful for it. Um, you can also rate, review, and share our podcast, and that helps us out a ton. Uh, if you do a review and you leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, let us know, and we will hook you up with some stickers. And check out our YouTube, and make sure you subscribe there. We are trying to grow that channel. Yeah, and like you see video, so now everybody gets a chance to see video on YouTube. And if you are currently watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button and you hit the subscribe and all that wonderful thing because uh, if you don't, you won't get alerted of every time we put a new episode out. So definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. Especially now that we're doing more live shows, you'll get notified when we're doing those live streams, when we've scheduled one. So yeah, check our yeah. YouTube channel out. Absolutely. We got a, a big uh, trip coming up. We're going to Orlando. Yep. March 10th through 12th. Super excited. We bought everything. We got our tickets, we got our Airbnb, we got our car rental to go up there. Uh, we're all set. We're ready to go. Yeah, so if you're in the Orlando area and you want to meet up with us, we have... Did we put up the schedule yet of what we're doing? I sent it. I put it up in a story. I did not post it, like, in our feed. I put it up as a story only, and I need to okay. share it again. All right, so we'll be sharing it again. We are doing a couple other things other than going to Universal Studios, so maybe you can meet us out for dinner or brunch. Yep. So check out our Instagram for updates on that trip. So uh, after we had a, a live stream, our live stream last week, I apologize for not getting the episode up on the other platforms. Um, but if you'd follow us on the YouTube channel, you would have already seen, <laughs> seen it. it. <laughs> um, but after the show, uh, shit happened. It was crazy because sh shit was happening throughout the live stream. Like we had... It oh was like God. Murphy's Law. Everything that could go I wrong literally wanted went to die. wrong. We, uh, our internet, we, we didn't have our internet right. We didn't have our mics right. It was kind of a disaster. But Uncle Jesse held down the fort. <laughs> Yes, he, he kept he kept you guys engaged. And thank you for staying, guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for staying. More people came afterwards. Yeah. We had a wonderful time, regardless of all the bullshit that went down. Afterwards, we were talking, and I was like, guys, I gotta go. I feel like shit. My head was fucking hurting. Mm -hmm. We have, like, in our house, we have colds because, you know, kids. So we, the kids got the cold, then I got it, and now my husband has it. And right after the show, I had a really crazy tension headache and I wasn't feeling good. I hadn't eaten since like lunch that day. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so queasy and so shitty. And yep. I was like, guys, I even told you, I was like, can you please pack up the stuff? I got to get out of here. I left my bong. I was like, I got to go. She left everything. <laughs> I fucking hauled it to home. And as soon as I got home, it was like exorcism, bro. It was like really bad. Um, the next day I was, I was just out of commission the entire, I think all of us were out of commission the entire next day. Yeah. It was pretty crazy because I also, <laughs> it was like someone put a spell I on us like or some shit. Somebody put some mad de ojo stuff. Okay. Cause it was literally all issues with for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I also had a headache during the live stream and afterwards I had a bad migraine, but, and I went to bed early, took some medicine and went to sleep next day, normal day, waking up. I normally go into the office, but I didn't that day cause I had to go the following day instead. So I was home working. I eat a breakfast sandwich, having a regular day and all of a sudden I'm working and I'm working and my eye starts to feel really itchy. A breakfast sandwich after I had a banana and a breakfast sandwich. Okay. The breakfast I'm sandwich. I'm sorry. I'm playing detective. Well, you guys will hear now. And not even a breakfast sandwich. It was just sausage, egg. No, I keep saying egg and there's no egg in it. Sausage, cheese, and bread. And it's like a frozen Say, one? It's like a, one of those Jimmy John's or whatever <laughs> breakfast sausages. Yes. But Jimmy one, Dean. Yeah, whatever. And <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jimmy John's is a sandwich place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, Jimmy Dean's a sausage. I've man. had the sausage before. Uh-huh. American cheese, regular like Martin's potato bread bun. Okay. And a banana. That's all I ate. Mm-hmm. Nothing new. Right? And how? And how many? Minutes my eye later? was itching like a half hour, and then I start rubbing it, and I'm Ugh. like, oh, my eyes are really itchy, and I start rubbing, and they feel super itchy, and I'm like, that's weird. So I go to the bathroom. I wash my hands. Like you I have sand in your eyes? Just no, just really itchy. Uh-huh. No sand. No, that, that right. would feel rough. Well, that's what but a sty sounds like. It feels like like it just something. like sometimes I felt like I had something in there, like one little thing that was irritating. Uh-huh. But I went, washed my face, washed my hands, and then I look in the mirror, and this eye, which you could still see, is a little swollen, mm-hmm. was already getting a little swollen, and I was like, "That's weird." And then it kept getting more swollen, and so I go take allergy medicine. Immediately, I was like, I'm having some kind of allergic reaction to something. I take allergy medicine. You hadn't looked at yourself in the mirror yet. No, this is after I looked at myself oh, in the okay, mirror. Okay. I saw my eye was starting to get puffy. Okay. And then I try to like wait for the medicine to, to take and see what's going on. But my eyes are still really itchy. I'm like, my eyes are like pouring water, water. out. And I'm completely congested, like snots coming out. I had to keep blowing my nose over and over again. And then... I went and looked in the mirror. This one started getting a little puffy. And then I started feeling a little tightness in my throat. Oh, scary. Yeah, but it wasn't like super tight where I couldn't breathe. But like when I felt all this congested, my nose, my ears, everything that connects there, it would feel tight right there in my airway. But like as soon as I blew everything out, it would clear up. And it was scary. I went to my husband. I was like, we got to go to the urgent care. Something I this allergy medicine isn't working and I'm having a major reaction here. I've never had an allergic reaction like this before. This is brand new to me to be allergic to something. Oh, to be middle aged and getting new allergies. Isn't it great? So I go to urgent care and they see me immediately because they see my condition and my eyes getting worse. And they um, asked me questions. I told them everything that happened. And then they're like, put me on an IV. You could see I have a bruise here now from it because I bruise every time I get stuck. And they put medicine in me to block the allergic reaction. They waited for a little bit and they're like, you should be improving already by now. And your eyes actually getting a little more swollen. So you need to go to the ER. Oh, man. And I'm like. Because they told me all that they had to do was to do this medicine regimen and then they were going to send me home with prescription to continue at home. Like antibiotics or something? No, like uh, steroids. They're like steroids. Okay. To stop the allergy. And then I don't remember what the other thing was. Some other medicine. Uh, And I'm like, fuck. Now I have to go to the ER. They're telling me I need to go to the ER. I go there. By the time I get checked in, put in a spot, like go through triage, get it put in a spot and get seen. 
the the swelling started to go down. So if they had just held me on urgent care a little longer, oh yeah, it probably would have been fine, and I could have just gotten the medicine. They jumped the gun, but. I guess the swelling wasn't done getting to the worst point before the medicine was able to start taking oh, its effect. You know, I got you. So I sent you guys a picture of my face. Yeah, we were when pretty. I got to the urgent care, and this was like I guess it got a little bit worse after that. You could pop it up for a second, Jesse. <laughs> ooh, jump scare! That's like the TikTok sound. <laughs> Uh, so my right eye got so oh my bad. god i know when you sent us that it was like all of us were like what happened last night we're all <laughs> what dying what? it was crazy it's like and what's crazy is that tito's better and he also had a problem with his right eye and i was like this is weird yeah we need to chango and we need a cleansing guys sage and have somebody come up uh, so now i have to like go see an allergist to figure out what it was because i don't know what it could have been i don't and that's um that is an arduous journey uh so good luck because trying to find out this is driving me crazy what your allergy but what like (laughs) i don't understand your face the things in your face all right i'm gonna pull it up this way (laughs) talk into it like this because it's just no you could have just moved it then (laughs) you'll like literally over your eyeball you know i don't know everybody's sick of seeing my face uh well you're on youtube now bitch i know we gotta fancy it up (laughs) uh but yeah allergies get like now you gotta go through everything because what the fuck are you allergic to i don't know and now i have to go through that mission and then they're like you need to determine what you're allergic to because the next time you have an allergic reaction it's worse every time you get it it gets worse and worse and they told me i should have an EpiPen just in case and that was one of my prescriptions to get an EpiPen. well i would say did you make an appointment with your doctor your regular doctor not yet i have to call and make an appointment yeah to see an allergist yeah you know because this happened thursday friday i was still recovering we're still fucking recovering. <laughs> All of us are still fucked up. I'm still up. puffy-eyed. I'm not yeah. normal yet. No, for sure. Congestion off the chain. If you hear me, I got, I got, I might cough something up. I'm just saying. Be careful. After the show, we need to do the egg thing. Even though eggs like are worth so much money right now. Too. I know. It's, it's like egg. It's like paying for eye. But we cream need a now. cleansing. We need a cleansing. I know. For well, sure. Anything to get the spirits in the right place. <laughs> Hey, you know what's going to get us in the right place? It's time for some news nugs. It's time for some news nugs. (laughs) News nugs, where we get high and read the news to you. All right, this is a story that we shared on our social media, actually. And we got some great comments that we're going to share for you later. But Minnesota state senator tries to defend canine drug detectors when arguing against marijuana legalization. Minnesota state senator, uh, his name is John Jasinski. The Senate's assistant minority leader argued against legalizing recreational marijuana in the state Monday because it would put drug sniffing canine dogs out of a job. Wow. Representative Zach Stevenson introduced the adult use cannabis bill in Minnesota legislature last month with Democratic majorities in both chambers of the state legislature and Governor Tim Waltz. In the governor's mansion, it is seemingly only a matter of time before the bill is put into law. Minnesotians are ready for this change, Stevenson said in his opening remarks Thursday. 
Our current laws are about cannabis are doing more harm than good. And Minnesotians deserve the freedom and respect to have their own decisions about cannabis. Despite the overwhelming public support of recreational marijuana legalization from people of all political backgrounds and the copious amount of tax revenue generated by legal marijuana, Minnesota Republicans like Jasinski continue to combat the issue with strange concerns like the en- the employment status of drug-sniffing dogs. That's so ridiculous. During the 2022 midterms, Missouri and Maryland voted to legalize the sale of recreational marijuana via ballot initiatives. Please, let's show the video. We've posted this on our Instagram, but let's show the video of this guy trying to make an argument for the dogs. <laughs> the police dog discussion of all that and retraining what's going to cost our local law enforcement agencies who've done these dogs who who spent thousands and thousands of dollars on these dogs to get these dogs drug trained and now they're going to have to be retired uh that's a big issue i I was the mayor of faribault and actually did a fundraising campaign to raise money to get a police dog to have a drug dog and now that money is going to going to go away because these dogs can't be used anymore given that Uh, so there's a huge cost Oh, I mean, the, my guy, the guy goodness. is uh, trying to make a case and I don't even think he believes it. Uh, it's a real stretch there, buddy. Yeah, these dogs. And then it's like we fundraised. We fundraised money to get these drug sniffing dogs. Uh, who is donating money to these camp to these fundraising campaigns? If everybody wants the weed, why are we giving them money for the drug dogs to begin with? Anyway, we got a lot of really good comments from you guys. And we're going to share some of them now. Yeah. And you guys had a lot to say. I loved it. So the mommy Jane, I'm screaming. This is like the onion meets SNL. Right. Because it's like, it's laughable. (laughs) Uh, Mary Sack 7182 says, keep it legal. So dogs have jobs. Totally makes sense. We wouldn't want them to lose their pensions. (laughs) (laughs) I had radical like they're gonna lose radical right. kitty 420 as if the dogs were employed they are slaves yeah. and for and real they're not really employed they're 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 being made cops against their will right somebody else bravo and blaze says what about the humans who have suffered for a full century being locked up and having their rights taken away i can't even with this guy for real it's true in sky allen bomb dogs cadaver dogs search and rescue dogs seeing eye dogs medical alert the dogs will still have jobs <laughs> i promise <laughs> all very good i mean oh, there were so points. many other comments that were great too yes Oh, but this is ridiculous. I think in the end, they still ended up uh, passing and it's continuing through the legislative process in Minnesota. But wow. Okay. That's a stretch. Yeah. There's just no uh, additional. They have nothing else to argue against. Yeah. Additionally, we there was someone else who made a comment and we actually started doing research on it. The accuracy is bad. It's like mm-hmm. a 50% accuracy rate and they get they get more wrong than they do right it's just a pawn for them to make judgments on people's looks and then use the dog to try to like, you know, get away with get it. Get away with doing a search. Yeah, so fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Screw it. Oh, say our our next story is a little fun. Oh, this one's interesting. I'm sure you <laughs> As guys As you know, you've seen a lot of crazy headlines lately. Supposedly we're shooting down these UFOs around left and right in the North Americas. Um, are we too stoned to see an impending alien invasion is the story we have here from high times. 
And I was and I was telling you, I was like, oh, if, if everybody's seeing these UFOs, I'm getting a little bit um, annoyed that I haven't had the oh. chance Oops. to see <laughs> one myself. Uh, I've never seen a UFO either, yeah. so don't feel left out. So the Office of the Director of National Intelligence admits the federal government has received over 500 new reports of UFOs since March of 2021. This is in addition to the 140 sightings that still has the Pentagon baffled to beat the band. Some of the reports, as we have come to expect, have been debunked, found to be drones or trash, while others remain a mystery. Roughly 350 cannot be explained and hundreds more will likely be added to the list before the end of the year. There's a UFO spotted almost every day in the U.S. Is there a hotline or something <laughs> that I don't know about? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's like a hotline you call that you like report. There's a Space Force now. Why do we got a Space Force? Yeah, well, well, don't we have more? I mean, I don't know. I've looked. For I saw a funny TikTok of a guy that worked like is in the Space Force. He's like, oh, and it's like this text on the thing was like, oh, when you signed up for the Space Force, thinking it would be a chill, a chill one, and then all of a sudden, all aliens, aliens start showing up, and, and you're like, like damn, damn. <laughs> I gotta work. Oh, it was pretty funny. Okay, so uh, almost every day in the United States, and whatever weird beady-eyed bastards are in the driver's seat whisking around the globe and always thwarting capture are none too shy about making their presence known. What's peculiar about that, even oddly curious, is these sightings are increasing in frequency with each passing year. Some way, some say it's a sign that the world is on the verge of collapse. Others think aliens, if that's what we're seeing, are just inquisitive. I, on the other hand, suspect the heavy USO presence has something to do with weed. After all, the uptick in UFO sightings seems to have picked up momentum right around the time U.S. started legalizing marijuana for adults 21 and over. Perhaps aliens caught a whiff of weed during one of their missions, and now, after decades of being somewhat aloof, they're looking to party. Hell, it's easy to see how we've piqued their interest. Drive through any legal state and the odor of marijuana is king, and if you're in Wynwood, even more. <laughs> Weed is the unofficial state smell in places like California, New York, and even Illinois. Even in areas of prohibition like Indiana, my stomping grounds, the scent of skunk, the author of this article's They're stomping, stomping grounds. grounds. Yeah. <laughs> the scent of skunk wafts through the air so aggressively these days that some of us can't even remember what the outdoors used to smell like before. <laughs> Perhaps all the pot smoke drifting around has finally reached outer space, giving extraterrestrials just enough of a contact buzz to not only show a renewed interest in our little fucked up part of the universe, but show it without fear. Yep. Alien ships may have started habitually showing themselves all over the country simply because there's a lot more marijuana being smoked down here than when their ancestors first started coming around. <laughs> I honestly think they've always been coming here since the get because of the weed. It's possible that a recent radio signal captured by the giant meter wave radio telescope in Di India from 9 billion light years away might hold the answers. How do you even have that technology? That's just mind-baffling to me. Scientists are, of course, champing at the bit to try and decipher the message to see if it holds any secrets of the universe. They may, however, be extremely disappointed to learn that the communications is just some otherworldly being scouring the vastness of the Mac... Macrocosm. Ma Macrocosm. Macrocosm for a plug. <laughs> Take me to your dealer. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Then again, maybe there's a dark side to their arrival. Yes, siree, the winds of change do in fact reek of weed, quite possibly enough to give our interterrestrial interterrestrial counterparts reason to believe that we as a people have abandoned all hope and are now resolved to just letting the good times roll until the world is pulled off life support watching from above these creatures have likely stood in shock and awe seeing some of the more enthusiastic stoners curled up in a ball after consuming too many edibles Mm. Begging for someone to call nine one one. Oh my goodness! Have they? Have we ever had? We've I've never been. Be a movie of like a stoner alien, like an alien getting into you weed. Know, a stoner alien movie? Or yeah, right. There's got to be one. <laughs> Are we like? If not, we should make one. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> They've uh, also almost assert, assuredly witnessed on more than one occasion some overzealous cannabis aficionados gripping the toilet bowl after one too many dab hits. Oh my goodness! You guys party hard. I don't. I don't. I, I'm I ch- can't be on the. Toilet I can't be doing many, those things. Too on the toilet. Too much Taco Bell. But not, I don't know about the dab hits. I think it does mention Taco Bell later. We're a mess. How could space beings not be out there contemplating the stability of the human race? Rest assured, if the aliens are curious about anything as it pertains to humankind, it has nothing to do with our intellect or civility. It, it's how we continue to thrive, hate, and lead unrelenting oppressions against our fellow man from the drive through of a Taco Bell. There you, go. <laughs> there you go. But then again, maybe they're really impressed with our ability to smoke copious amounts of weed and remain functional. Even if we're undoubtedly cut from less intelligent DNA, there's still a good chance that we could be friends. That is, unless they see this newfound stoner state of mind as an opportunity to dish out spinning anal probes of torture. Ugh, pain beyond Jesus. pain. All of humanity writhing in agony. It's payback, bitches, for what Uncle Sam and his and his legion did to their homes in Roswell back in 1947. <laughs> sure, nobody really knows the extent of the government's fuckery back then, oh but God. people like Area 51 whistleblower Bob Lazar are of the opinion that we roughed up whatever beings were in the wreckage and got them to spill their guts for the sake of advancing <laughs> our technological endeavors and taking control of the world. Wow. This With, guy's going. Yeah. Without alien knowledge, it is presumed that U.S. wouldn't be as advanced as we are today. Hmm. Hmm. So it goes without saying that their plot for revenge has been a long time coming. <laughs> I suspect these beings, wherever they're from, don't give a good goddamn of the Geneva Convention or w- what is considered cruel and unusual punishment. There'll be an orgy of ultraviolence in the streets, and no, that's not a metaphor. I oh hope God. you're ready. Jeez, this guy's this really, guy really dark. I mean, I know. Aliens don't have to be all bad. Yeah, what if it's not bad? I mean, I'd want to punch us. I, would, I mean, yeah. To be honest, I, but we're destroying this planet. Yeah, They're we're probably we're like, awful. these people don't deserve this place. Listen, this is the reason that the uptick of UFO sightings should be rocking the nation to its core. If these elusive fuckers are technologically technologically advanced enough to defy physics as we understand it and essentially transport from one location to another, maybe even through time, we can't even begin to fathom the horrific ugliness they can potentially rain down. Oh, my God. Oh, so dark. Oh, well. (laughs) Let's, Let's just, just get, get stones. <laughs> like, yeah, like, don't sweat the small stuff. It is what it is, man. We, we all, all have, have to, to die, die sometime. sometime. Oh, my God. The <laughs> population has grown so cavalier towards the concept of UFOs and aliens. Many still don't believe it's possible they even exist, despite the fact that these impressive crafts have been witnessed countless times by military pilots, 
become part of controversial congressional investigations and even spurred NASA involvement. Hey, someday driving. <laughs> hey, hey, somebody's driving these things. things. Don't you want to know who? Nobody cares. We've survived COVID and weed is legal and the industry has been deemed essential. <laughs> We're high as balls. So nothing about an alien invasion scares right. us. I mean, have you been in the world lately? Like, <laughs> if an alien comes, we're like, hey, come on, man. Or like, hey, it's just like, kill oh, me already. We're Take wondering me. when you're going to get here. We're expecting this for a while. Right. In the eyes of the American public, UFOs have lost their cachet. We've lost interest beyond trying to capture some footage of one to post on TikTok. Never mind that their presence on Earth could get wild enough to make us all regret the day we were born. <laughs> Even folks who've always just assumed that strange-looking beings would eventually crawl out of one of these spastic spheres don't seem at all worried that they might do so wielding a powerful interstellar laser bullet doomsday device with enough dinosaur-killing fury to castrate <laughs> half of Texas in one fell swoop. Oh Jeez, God, what's guy. wrong with us? Not just with respect to our pitiful concern for alien carnage, but anything for substance for that matter. Are we so stoned these days that we've allowed ourselves to become desensitized to the coming of nothingness? Are we too high to care that some green men with really long fingers could show up and turn us on to sex <laughs> slaves? Or have we all bought into enough biblical bullshit in our time to find solace in the fact that no matter how we die, we're all going to a better place? Well, farts, I'm not part of that tribe. Faith has no place where there's a significant threat of a metagalactic colonoscopy. Oh my God. Perhaps instead of producing weed strong enough to mimic brain death, we should be working to grow an herb that allows us to communicate with these fuckers and get them to calm down. <laughs> this guy is paranoid <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> I, for one, want to send them a strong message. I don't have no problem with you dudes. Oh, sure. There will be those like Cheech Marin who think I'm just being a paranoid pothead <laughs> like Captain J over here. Uh, I'm with Cheech. <laughs> that if these beings wanted the hind ends of humanity on a stick, they would have stuck it in there a long time ago. Yeah, I suspect that these creatures are playing a long game, one chock full of psychological warfare. Truth be told, despite the prevalence of UFOs today, we still don't know anything more about them or what's behind the wheel than we did in the beginning. And that was precisely Jack Squaw. <laughs> they could be friendly, they could be monsters. They could also be looking for love or wanting to get high. That's My nice. advice for what it's worth is to keep a stash nearby just in case. <laughs> this story is so funny. Oh my God. Oh God. You, can you hear that? I think there's a transmission coming in. <laughs> visit earth it's more dangerous than last time this is the only place in the universe where you can get weed oh shit why is that fighter jet coming straight for us oh did we forget to put up the uh the what do you call that thing the uh, little thing with the oh the cloaking shield hurry up drop the weather balloon decoy we gotta get the fuck out of here 
<laughs> gotta gotta give it to them aliens. I'm only here for the weed too. That's how I'm surviving this yeah, place. Pretty much. That's why I'm still here, guys. <laughs> All right. So now uh, our next segment. I love you, Miami. I love you, Miami. All right, so Florida's medical marijuana patient count grew 71% in the past two years. Woo! All right, getting our numbers up there. So according to the official in charge of Florida's medical marijuana program, the number of active patients has increased 71%. Christopher Kimball, the director of the Office of Medical Marijuana Use, provided statistics that the Florida House Healthcare Regulation Subcommittee, Tallahassee, Wednesday, as they discussed the medical marijuana industry in the Sunshine State, Kimball told the committee that the office is doing what the office is doing to ensure patients are receiving safety tested medical marijuana and that it does not end up in the hands of children. Kimball said that applications submitted by caregivers to access medical marijuana for their clients has increased over the past two calendar years by 46 percent. And overall, the number of applications has averaged an additional 100,000 applications each year. Uh Kimball added that over the past two years, active patient numbers have climbed up by 71 percent from 455,425 active patients in 2020 to 779,465 by the end of 2022. According to Kimball, the number of qualified physicians with certifications rose by 102 from 2019 to 2020 to a total of uh, 1,725 in 2022. Wow. The office of, yeah, the office of medical marijuana use is part of the Florida department of health and regulates the medical marijuana industry, including the development and implementation of rules and oversight. It also maintains a database of physicians and patients who qualify. Kimball's presentation went over some recent enhancements to the medical marijuana user registry, and it included same-day approvals, the creation of a qualified physician document dashboard to allow physicians to manage required documents for their patients and the implementation of daily dose limits. Also included in these enhancements is the ability to track the purchase of medical marijuana by caregivers, and additional security measures have been implemented on database to protect customer privacy so that makes sense so as soon as they had that same day approval ability it became a lot easier for patients to be getting approved we're getting more patients in terms of patient privacy kimball said that access to the state's medical marijuana database is only allowed by law enforcement if the patient is part of an active investigation and that the privacy of those on the registry is a top priority the office does not regulate doctors according to kimball however The Department of Health oversees their medical marijuana certifications, practice, and quality assurance. Medical marijuana treatment centers are required to test the product for both potency and for any contaminants using a marijuana testing laboratory before selling it to customers. Currently, there are 11 certified testing labs in Florida. Each treatment center licensee should be cultivating, processing, and selling its own marijuana products to help with the accountability so if anything is found to be unsafe, it can easily be traced back to the source. Yeah, that's the vertical, vertical integration. So state rep Allison Taint, uh, Democrat in Tallahassee. Taint. Asked, La pobre, no le hagas eso, <laughs> my God. Allison Taint. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Miss Tent. Jesus. <laughs> She's like, oh, everybody gets it wrong. Tent. My bad. Your head's in, your brain's in the gutter. <laughs> Why does taint have to be that? Taint? What else is a taint? It's the soft area between your <laughs> butthole and your nutsack or your butthole and your vag hole. Is that not? Poor Allison. You just fucking <laughs> gave her a new one. I'm sorry. That's awful. <laughs> it's all right. How about when you taint something? Oh, yeah, tainted. you're right. Why does it have tainted. to be your asshole Sorry, thing? my mind's in the gutter. <laughs> my bad. Tainted. Yeah, but you say tainted. You don't say, oh, that's taint. Whatever. Right? It's tainted. The ED. <laughs> it's past <tent>. Okay, <laughs> moving <Taint>. on. <laughs> Allison Tant. <laughs> Allison Tant. Ask Kimball about Delta 8, a federally... Federally legal THC synthetic cannabinoid, which has been shown by some research to be unsafe, and how the DOH is preventing Delta H from getting into the the hands of patients and minors. There are no approved Delta A products being dispensed in Florida's dispensing facilities. I have children too, so these things concern me, Kimball said, adding that there should be perhaps a deeper conversation on the sale of synthetics, but reiterated that they are not being dispensed from licensed facilities. Further refinement to rules and regulations will be worked through the DOH via workshops and to ensure transparency, transparency, the public will be able to put their own opinions or concerns forward during these workshops. They used to have Delta 8. Uh, I, remember they, I remember truly, truly had used to carry Delta, Delta 8, 8 I do too. I believe I remember that too. They used to. They might have removed them and they don't have it anymore, right. but they did have it at one point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, Delta eight, they need to, they need to do the, I mean, they need to do the research. They need to do the research, research on all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But like that is very easily accessible right now. Yeah. Because it's, it's legal, a loophole, right? Yeah. It's a way for people to sell it legally. But they're looking to change it to be, I, I think I saw an article that they're putting it as a scheduled one. The Delta eight part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's about time. I mean, it's been around for a minute now, too. And now there's everything. There's THC. Oh, there's too many ones now. There's too many different kinds of like, come on. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in this long. You have come to the interview portion of our show. We are so happy to have Olivia Alexandra on the show today. We had a wonderful conversation with her. She is the CEO of Kush Queen, author of Creative Stoner Journal and the Essential Guide to Cannabis for Women. She's an influencer and actress, and we talked to her all about her wonderful company. Here is our interview with Olivia Alexander. We hope you enjoy. We were really interested in having you on the show to, to hear how Kush Queen came to be. Um, how did it come from you starting off working out in a dispensary to having being a CEO of a huge corporation, Kush Queen? Uh, well, it's kind of one of those stories where it's like, be careful what you wish for because you just like get it. And um, I really, when I started as a bud tender, like I, I wasn't one of those people who had this like vision, you know, I didn't have it then. I just love being a bud tender and I love selling weed. And then every single day people came into the dispensary day after day after day. And yeah, there were people coming to get high, but most people, cause I'm a talker, huge talker, big mouth over here. Mouth of the South is what my, 
fourth grade teacher called me and I just love chatting people up and hearing about their glaucoma and their cancer and their, you know, AIDS and all of these things. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like it, the whole experience as a bud tender, it shaped the way I look at cannabis, the way I think people should use cannabis. And then it just gave me that connection to the plant and to the product. And then I was just like, okay, this is like what I have to do with my life. But I truly at that time thought Kush Queen was going to be sisterhood of the traveling pants, but with weed. I wanted to make content. I wanted to make a movie. I wanted to make documentaries. I, I was an actor growing up my whole life. And I've always believed in the power of media. That's how people literally change people's minds, storytelling. That's what I love to do. So I thought that's what I would do. And then in 2013, I decided to quit being an actor. It was when everything was going to like online and content and everyone was like, just get on YouTube, just get on the internet. And I was like, I don't know, like I really have an itch to start a business. So for six straight months, I did nothing but hot yoga, smoked weed and asked the universe to give me the next big thing that I would do. And I wanted it. I said, I wanted it to be a business. And that was how the crystal cult got started, which was my real first go at running my own company. Swarovski crystal vape pens. I wear t-shirts that said Kush queen high maintenance. I started posting cannabis content on Instagram. It blew up. I started uh, posting women who like showed themselves smoking weed because that's what I didn't see. You know, I, at that point, you know, had worked in cannabis for a long time and women were still non-existent in the industry in a role of power. You know, women have been running the cannabis industry, managers at dispensaries, bud tenders, you know, running admin, doing doing the work behind the scenes. But there was not that many like women owning companies, being a stakeholder. So I was doing that and it was having a lot of success. And um, as fate would have it, I got on Tinder. I was looking for a baby daddy and I met my now fiance and business partner. And he was basically growing underground um, and took me to his grow. And it was crazy because like a few months before I was in New York City, I'd kind of gotten tossed out of Harper's Bazaar trying to talk to them about weed. They were like, too soon, too soon. and. Um, I said, I just want to find someone who can help me make Kush Queen a real cannabis brand for women, you know, a cannabis brand for me, for the people who see weed like me. And then this man literally walks into my life. I swipe right on him. And then he's like, here's my girl. <laughs> and then he kind of changed my whole world right away. You know, he got it. It wasn't hard for me to convince him that we needed to build this brand. And um, we started making cartridges and just like doing the thing, going to dispensaries, selling them. And then he was the one who actually brought home my first marketing client. He's like, hey, these people want you to do our social media and content. They're going to pay us like a lot of money. We should do it. So that also got me behind the scenes at so many companies and day in, day out. I saw them cutting corners. I saw them not caring about the product. I saw them not caring about the marketing. I saw them just wanting to sell pre-rolls and eighths, which I guess is okay. That's what everyone does. But I wanted to sell finished goods. I wanted to sell products. I wanted to sell the bath bomb. And so in about 2015 is really when it jumped off as Kush Queen. And I went from making bath bombs in my parents' garage to having like 15 employees in less than a year. And so wow. it just, it just exploded from there. Um, we went from medical to legal in 2018 
And then hemp CBD blew up online. And because I was always online, I was trying to sell CBD in like 2013, but you could get on a list then, you know? So it's really just been a true organic business, a true turn a dream, chase it, build little, little, little by little, you know, we've only ever had a small portion of angel investment. We've done it all ourselves. And I just, some days it like takes my breath away when I think like what happened after I just chased my dream, you know? And so now I think we have 50 SKUs. We're in the compliant market in California, hemp online. Um, I've written two books, crazy. Uh, we've done a collaboration with a nail salon chain called Bella Cures in SoCal, where you can get a canicure. You've been able to get that for the past six years. It was supposed to be just like limited, still doing it. Um, and then we did the Alice and Olivia collab. So it's just been absolutely crazy, um, to see like how far I could take it just by betting on myself and just saying like YOLO, you know? <laughs> Can I ask you something? You said you were making bath bombs out of your mom's house. What is your relationship? Was she cool with it? Did she, what did she have to so, say about your. So my parents found my can't, well, my brother snitched on me and showed my parents the weed oh. that I was hiding in my car when I was like 18. So when I was very young, that came out of, I would say I came out of the green closet and my dad was like, I'm the biggest stoner. Where are you getting this fire weed? And <laughs> parents basically were like, they weren't just stoners. I guess they were like drug users, you know, like they kind of like told me more than I ever wanted to hear at 18. My dad's like, Hey, remember that time we were in the pool and yeah, we were on acid. And I'm like, Oh, oh. <laughs> my parents are cool. So my mom <laughs> was actually my first employee. She was working as a manager of a target. And my dad said, you can't quit. The business is still too rocky. She's not making enough money. That's our health insurance, you know? And um, she did it anyways. My mom literally quit her job without my dad knowing. And then two weeks later, my dad's like, she's not going to work in weeks. I'm like, yeah, because I've been paying her. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a, that was the beginning. And then my parents have just been, especially my mom, you know, she'll say I'm the real Kush queen because she is. She formulated <laughs> the bath bombs. You know, my mom just grew up in a small town in Louisiana with a single mother. She dropped out of college. She just, she didn't know where she needed to be. And she's a product creator. She's a formulator. She's a hustler. And um, every day, day in, day out, no matter how many times she quits, or I fire her, she's <laughs> there. And she's sort of like this, one of the secret sauces of how we've been able to make it. I mean, when I used to do the cannabis cups and chalice festival, if I would like need weed or more pounds or more vapes or crystal dabbers, you name it, she was driving them to us. She used to work some of the shows with me. And, um, you know, over That's the years, I've just been really lucky to have a mom who has a relationship with the plant. Um, yeah. You have such good support. I mean, that's let's your your I mean, like where you're at now shows that you know you had that support. That's great. I tell people that all the time when they say, like, how do I do this? You know, and I'm like, you know, if you can have the support of your family, if you can have a relationship with your family that's honest and that's rooted in 
you know, the truth and they can support you in that, it's invaluable. It's almost more valuable than Absolutely. if they had given me $5 million to start my business because yeah. over the years, you know, my mom also going through her own health struggles. My mom was on Ambien for 10 years. We got her off of Ambien because she got a brain tumor. She went through a crazy brain surgery where they removed the tumor from like the back of her neck, cut her whole head open. And in six weeks, this woman bounced back and the doctors were literally like, what did you do? And she said, cannabis, cannabis. As soon as she got out of the hospital, she's like, I don't want these pharmaceuticals. They make me feel like shit. Get me my weed, get me this medicine. And so um, just having her be open and supportive and sort of relentless in the pursuit of my dream. We had her in a photo shoot a couple years ago and Holy cannoli, that woman on a set though, you know, diva. Um, but I get it from her, you know, I get personality, I get my fearlessness and I'm just like, I kind of owe everything to my mom. Um, so she's really, she's the wind beneath my wings and then some. That's awesome to have that support. Well, you said you were 18 when your parents found out that you smoke weed because your brother outed you um how old were you when you actually encountered cannabis and first used it i mean i first encountered it really young because i actually uh when i was six my best friend her brother was murdered buying weed in our town um and so i had a very like stigmatized view of it yeah. um you know this is like a town of like 800 people in louisiana so rural louisiana different time you know this is like the early 90s and so that was like my first interaction with it. So I was terrified with it, of it, uh, scared. 14 years old, I'm in a recording studio and people are like chiefing and I like cry to my mom. I'm like, they were smoking weed around me. Uh, don't make me go back. Like, and then uh, my first week in college, I was homeschooled in high school because I was acting. So I didn't really get like the high school experience. And then um, get to college and we had a group project and these guys are like, oh, yeah, come do this group project. And I'm like, I didn't realize the group project was a giant bong. And I mean, yeah. a big <laughs> like one of those like big bongs people were smoking in the 90s. And I'm like, well, this is, I guess, early 2000s, but still. So I'm like, hey, now's the time they were it was two guys. I was like feeling a little peer pressure and I just boom like instantaneous life change because i went home and i slept like a baby and i had had issues with insomnia and mental health my whole life um not sleeping for days severe anxiety issues with appetite you know a whole host of symptoms that i couldn't get to the bottom of you know i was seeing a psychiatrist i was seeing a therapist but nothing helped me sleep like cannabis and so i went home that night i ate a, my face off and i slept like a baby for like 16 hours and i instantly was a stoner i instantly was like this is how i wanted to feel my whole life i feel better um and so that was really my first interaction with it and then within six months i was working at the dispensary selling weed you know, eating it, putting it on my skin, sharing it with people. I was just very evangelized by the plant. I mean, I think mainly because of my mental health issues, you know, it's just like you, for me, I tell people like, I spent my whole life like wondering like, what's wrong with me? Like I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't get diagnosed bipolar until I was in my mid twenties. And 
that to me was crazy, but that's kind of how long it takes to get a di- a real diagnosis. You keep going back, you know, and they start with, you have depression, you have anxiety, you have this. And then I got, I even got sober at one point to get the diagnosis. They were like, you know, oh, the cannabis, it could be causing this. And I'm like, it's not, watch. And so for three years, I went to the psychiatrist and I got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, sometimes it takes that. And then of course, immediately once I got, that diagnosis I started using cannabis again um and then use cannabis to wean off of the pharmaceuticals after eight years so my relationship with the plan is extremely personal and it's extremely intentional now I think it's gone like in and out you know there have been periods where I'm just smoking all day every day because I need it and then now it's more of I think I have a more balanced relationship with the plant and a more wellness focused approach to it, which is what my biggest passion is in life is getting other people to realize like there is nothing wrong with getting high. We deserve it. People drink Mm -hmm. wine till they're literally blue in the face. Anyone can get fucked up if they want. But what I want to teach people, what I want to be engaged in conversation in is how we can use it intentionally to feel better, to look better, to be better moms to be better people. Cause I really think that this plan and the way that it changes your consciousness, it has the power to change the world. It has the power to change your world if you let it. And once you let it and you go out and share it, that's like the butterfly effect. I think it's also been like kind of what happened in my life. It's just like, holy shit. Like I literally went from like just a random chick trying to, I was literally trying to make $2,000 a month to cover my bills. I just didn't want to work a regular job. And then you wake up and it's just like, holy crap, look how this has changed my life and look how I can impact my community, my friends, my family, you know, literally everyone hits me up like I'm a doctor. How do I use this for this? I'm like, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm on Google. Hit the nail like, on the head. You hit the nail on the head. It's, it is a wellness product. And like people, like the stigma around it is like, oh, you're just getting, but, but you don't realize and I didn't realize until I started this podcast with my you know when we started this podcast about the endocannabinoid system and then it was like this makes sense this makes sense why it helps me with so many different things and then well, now they, there's all these different appetite. kinds of products that you can use so can yeah, you tell us some of most, your most it's our products? most important body functions you know the ECS is regulating your most important body function sleep mood appetite it's communicating with your central nervous system the natural cannabinoids are in breast milk natural cannabinoids are inside of our body some people's ecs works better than others some people have less receptor than receptors than others you know your ecs is as personal as your fingerprint that's something that blew my mind when i learned Mm -hmm. it so that's the other side of it is like we're constantly being triggered by our environments our bodies are very fragile to everything stress what we're feeding it, what we're exposing ourselves to, all the things. So, um, you know, I wanted to create a product line that would allow people to use a lot of cannabis repeatedly. That's sort of my other big philosophy in the philosophy at Kush Queen, elevating you daily. It's the idea that I want you to use cannabis every day. You know, that was something that I faced a lot of stigma early on when I started sharing with people like, I just woke up, I hit this vape. They'd be like, oh God, you're a drug addict. And I'm like, well, if that's how you want to label me, then okay. But when I wake up in the morning, especially when I was really symptomatic, like I was awful. 
you know, and I was sensitive to sounds like the way my family would eat their cereal would set me off, you know, like it wasn't logical. So I smoked weed in the morning and then I'd come down and I'd be pleasant to my family. And like the way my brother was chewing wouldn't absolutely make me want to go off, you know, or something bad happening to me in the morning. It would spiral my whole day. I could, I could not get a hold of my emotions. So I faced a lot of people saying like, oh, you shouldn't be using cannabis in the morning. You shouldn't be using it during the day. You should only use it at night. And I'm like, no, like I see this plant as a carrot and no one is telling people don't have carrots every day. No one's telling people don't have this carrot for lunch or in the morning. So I wanted, but you really can't chronically smoke. You know, like I was sitting a bong every morning in college. You can't really smoke like that. Over time, it does have some negative effects on your body. I mean, I used to hawk up stuff that I'm just like, what the hell is this, you know? So the bath bomb was kind of the first place that I wanted to go. And I had tried other cannabis bath bombs before, you know, we were not the first people to make a cannabis bath bomb, but we were the people to put it on the map, you know? And um, it's really just because your skin's your biggest organ. And it's an amazing tool full of full of your receptors, your ECS receptors are all over, you know, in the skin, you submerge in a tub of water, you're taking on the essential oils, you're taking on the cannabinoids, you feel like a new person when you get out. And so in the beginning, laughed me out of the dispensaries. <laughs> a bath, you know, you want us to sell a bath bomb, you know, and then people started buying a ton of them. And from there, it just sort of spiraled. And then we were just like, okay, how can we develop products that are intentional, that are intelligently designed, and that maybe people are making, but we can make them better, better ingredients, um, better ingredients, better pizza. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's like exactly what happened in every <laughs> time. I'm like, oh, we got to say it now. I love these. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it just, then I saw, you know, Foria was doing a lube, but I'm highly allergic to coconut oil. If I put coconut oil on my vagine, it will turn into a gigantic situation. Like it won't work. Um, and I'm like, that's not a lube. That's a marinade. Let's make a real lube. And around that time, Michael, my partner, my, my fiance, um, he developed a water technology a nanotechnology. This was like 2015. And I was like, Hey, like I'm weaning, like I'm weaning heavy off these drugs. Cause I was like, I got to get off these pharmaceuticals. You know, I'm more stable than I've ever been. Now's the time, you know, there's not a lot of conversation in the mental health community around how addictive pharmaceutical antidepressants and antipsychotics are. But when you literally give a human a pill that is designed to be taken every day, you have to take it every day. And then your body builds a tolerance and then you need to take more. And then you're eight years in or 10 years in, you're, you're about to go through serious withdrawal. You know, I tell people like you can get through it, I got through it. People get through it every day. You need cannabis. You need tools. And so I was really struggling again and then dabbing like insane amounts. Like <laughs> my rig was always hot and ready in the corner. Let's just say that. I was literally like dabbed out for months. But then I was like, I'm having brain issues. Like I can't, I'm not as functional. And so that's when Michael started experimenting with our shower gel, with the lotion, with other ways that I could consume significant amount of cannabinoids without having to smoke or vape all the time. And that sort of is how the product line got developed. And then from there, it's our community, our community, our customer base, because we built one online outside of the dispensaries, 
you know, we have over 50,000 customers at Kush Queen. We have robust email list that has about six figures of people on it. We're constantly in conversation with them. If somebody writes me a bad review, we reach out. We want to know what are you on? What are you eating? why is it not working you know i'm really passionate um about developing technology that allows you know cannabis products to be created better but it's all coming from the place of i want people to feel better i want people to use products that i think engaged the plant in a way that she shines and um and also frankly from a business perspective in a way that i can survive this industry because there's always going to be people out there who are going to be able to grow more weed than me, make pre-rolls. Anybody can make that, but like not everyone can make tens of thousands of bath bombs in a single week. And that's also given me a place as an independent woman owned business where I'm, I'm a value to these cannabis corporations, even though we are a cannabis corporation, like we're not an MSO. We're not a, uh, you know, billion dollar company by any means and so it's really given me my own platform and like to stand on and in developing unique products has been a huge part of that that's awesome yeah I, I mean by the sounds of it you do have some very unique products um what do you what would you say has been the hardest part of 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 starting and running a cannabis business um all of it i mean not quitting <laughs> resilience yeah um you know oh, luckily i love it so much like to this day even i love it almost more than anything in my life other than my family and the reality is it's probably the hardest thing you can choose for your life to be a business owner in this space even being a content creator even what y'all do you know you people don't realize like you have a dream but the dream is like climbing up a smaller version of everest and there are just landmines everywhere suppression from algorithms uh bad companies who don't pay you uh people judging you i mean shit, my parents bank accounts getting shut down over the years my dad's like we're on a list i'm like oh shit, sorry dad <laughs> um you know like there's just constant challenges because this is an emerging industry but i think if i did anything else i'd be bored it wouldn't be as exciting i wouldn't be in alignment with my passion and being a woman being outspoken frankly not giving a flying fuck about any of these other people and what they're doing has been my platform and that's the energy that i stand in it's fairly unhinged all the time and i love it you know i just love it and at the end of the day i think people respond to it because it's truth you know, I'm I'm building in public. I build on social media. People see when I have issues. People see when people come for my wig. Um, you know, I'm pretty much like letting it all hang out. But I think that's the future of business just in general. And I think that the cannabis industry needs real ass people out there in the trenches. And I've been in the trenches, you know, and I love being in the trenches. That's kind of my favorite place to be i'm having a hard time like getting out of them now i'm like oh you guys sure you don't want me to come back there and help because i'm a laborer i love to work you know i love to be grimy so all of it you know this is not for the faint of heart but the thing the thing that is um that makes me the most happy is helping people 
is reading reviews of like, oh, your pain lotion helped my pain. You're, you know, evangelizing grandmothers, getting people's moms. You know, one of my friends, my best friends, her mom is like an ex judge whose husband is a DA and she buys the sleep gum oh. all the time. Yeah, they put so many people in jail for weed. And <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think also that too, you know, it's just like, being able to have a brand that we can do good for, we can raise money for organizations I care about, we can give free product to people who need it. Um, that to me is like the best part, but the worst part is all of it. You know, I will not, I tell people like, you really got to love this if you really want to do it. Whether you work at a dispensary, whether you work for a cannabis company, especially now times are hard. Everybody's getting laid off. It sucks, sucks to see. Companies are pulling out of markets left and right. But um, if you love it, you stay. You know, I always tell people I'm here for a long time, not a good time. So that's kind of how I wake up every day. And I just say, just take it to the chin. You know, you just got to take whatever's coming your way right to the dome and you'll be OK. But that's probably also because I can just go take a puff under my tree out there and center myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the tree um, behind your, your office where people yeah you to go smoke because it's like yeah we have a tree we have a tree like back over there you know back in the day i used to like smoke while i worked in my office constantly um I, I let people smoke while we were packaging stuff like i didn't care of course as the business gets bigger as things change i gotta change too but i always you know go out to my tree and everyone knows who we are in our business park in anaheim and um, I encourage people who work for me on their breaks and stuff, as long as it doesn't affect their performance in a negative way, like it's your medicine, it's my medicine. I encourage people to use cannabis as much as they want or not at all. You know, I have people who work for me who, you know, can't partake because of health reasons. And I support that too. I think that's really, um, also it is just like being a part of providing people a culture and an environment and an idea that. It's just about what makes you happy and is good for you, whatever that is, you know, too much judgment in this world right now and too many opinions. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> too many opinions. Oh, I, I especially <sighs> nowadays. Yeah. Uh, I really like I, everything that's come out of your mouth. I love everything that you represent. It's been great. You're very inspiring. What advice do you give? to other you know women are trying to get into the cannabis industry and trying to make their own little part in it just do it don't stop do it. like the biggest thing that this industry needs is regular people women queer people black people brown people real ass people with passion with spunk with you know any kind of ideas you know there's not a lot of innovation in the industry um, there's not a lot of people to me, even making brands that speak to certain groups, you know, everything's just this very like corporate or stoner bro sort of vibe. And that's your opportunity, you know? And, um, I always just tell people like, if I can make it, like when I tell y'all, I didn't have nothing, I didn't have nothing. I just started and I built little by little and I just never stop. Um, I failed plenty of times. I've made a ton of mistakes. But I just kind of dust myself off and I keep going. Um, it's not to say that it's not hard. And it's not to say that I'm not, you know, sometimes having bad days, weeks, months. But the biggest thing you can do in the cannabis space, whether you're a content creator, whether you want to be a blogger, whether you want to work at a comp corporate company or have your own is bet on yourself. 
and just keep going and keep failing. Um, I know it's hard right now when people basically need to make a living for their family. I've seen a lot of people on LinkedIn saying like, I'm leaving the industry because I need a steady job. But there's also so much to be done on the side of education, of, um, you know, more activism. There's still lots of people in jail. There's still lots of archaic laws around the country. There's still so much work that always needs to be done. And that's also, I think, where the biggest opportunity lies for people who maybe don't have the funding or the access to hundreds of millions of dollars in capital like these companies, like your truth, who you are, that's enough. And you just got to show up every day and keep showing up. And that's, that's what I do, you know, because I always tell people, I'm nothing, you know, like if you saw where I came from, you'd realize, oh, nothing. And I just always am like, I'm Beyonce in my mind. You know? oh, let's talk about your books for a minute yeah, here, sure because you have a lot going on like how do you even find the time to, to the write essential guide to cannabis for books. women and then was the creative stoner yeah. journal yeah yeah this is the uh creative stoner journal and then the essential guide to cannabis for women so that was just like an opportunity that came to me i was not like uh, i mean i've always loved writing i still blog for kush queen i try to do as much writing as i can i've done some guest articles for like psychedelics today some opinion pieces and things like that over the years when i've gotten the opportunity and then this company they pretty much predominantly work with influencers so they look for someone who's creating content in the niche they go to them they help you learn how to write the book they help you with the outline and then they give you the word count, the whole thing. So it, for me, it's really just been, I did it because it's a great learning experience. Did I have the time? No. Was <laughs> I on the verge of a nervous breakdown every single day that I wrote the essential guide oh, to cannabis? I bet, girl. Yes. I, <laughs> literally, I mean, deadlines. I'm in the cannabis industry. My deadlines are flexible. Okay. I'm in charge. <laughs> They're like, okay, we'll receive 25,000 words in 10 days. Bye. And I'm literally like, I never get stage fright. I got a little stage fright, but once I got into it and like got back into realizing like, this is what I know, like I know this stuff. It's just about putting it down on paper. But then, you know, the only part of the, the process that was annoying was just like, you're writing a book. So they want to look at the research. They want to look at the proof. So much of what is out there about cannabis is antidotal. So much about the research that has been done has been to prove cannabis is bad and harmful. And look, medical research can even be skewed and biased. I try to explain that to people all the time. You have to see who's funding is this, why, how big the group is, you know? So I had a lot of back and forth, but, and then the night before the book came out, I had a complete breakdown. Like I was just so nervous and scared. Like putting something out there like that was a lot, even for me who just always puts it out there. And then hilariously enough, the day that book came out, The Essential Guide to Cannabis for Women, they were like, oh, we have this stoner journal project that we're trying to do. We think you'd be great to do it. And I'm like, another book, really? Like, <laughs> oh, damn, I just got finished doing one. <laughs> but I did it and I love it. And it's really just about, you know, sharing in knowledge, helping people, you know, understand how to use the the products, how to navigate a dispensary for the first time. When I read that prompt and they're like, we want you to basically like talk someone through going to a dispensary for the first time. I'm like, so you want me to write about teaching people how to buy weed? <laughs> I can do this. I got so this. I sold just weed. an amazing <laughs> opportunity that I never thought would come to me. And hopefully 
Um, the universe is listening because I'd love to write more books, more books focused like on the industry on sort of like, I want to write a juicy tell all about all the bad shit that I've seen and really like let people know like a lot of this stuff that people say about the cannabis industry is true. Um, obviously, oh God, please share, please do. can you can you please share share? Give me one. Give me one. Give me one. All right. One thing that is very known in the cannabis industry. Give it to me. Okay. So this is like really going to go there, but it's true. It's like, you know, people say like the cannabis industry is racist and it is. It really is. Like I was told in the early days, don't work with black people. Don't work with brown people. That's how you get caught. And I, I'll never forget it. Like, I'll never forget, like, being in a meeting with these people. And, like, that's how they started it. And I was just like, uh, okay. And then, um, you know, the whole idea that, like, everyone in the legal industry isn't also tied to organized crime. A lot of them are. You know, people are worried about the, the guy from Cureleaf being a Russian oligarch. I'm like, the Russian mob is everywhere. You know, like, I've worked for these people. And I'll never forget this one time this guy was sending us around to all his dispensaries and every when we walked into every single one people like who worked there were like afraid. And I was like, this is not the vibe like I am not doing this like it, this feels it's giving a hostile takeover energy. I don't know what happened here, but this is scary, you know, so. Um, and then just like, you know, knowing people, my mentors, especially their husband and wife, you know, the husband, he got locked up for like two years and the wife took over the business, you know, just like speaking truth to power. I think that it's easy for people to get caught up in the green rush in making money and people forget that this plant is tied up in a lot of the most controversial social justice issues of our time. And it's really important that people know the truth and that people don't try to just blow over it because it's convenient for them. And because I've had the privilege, unfortunately, of being a white woman in some of these rooms, I've seen it and it's real. And I don't want people to think that this is just some kind of like woke conversation or whatever it's real and people are working against people and it's wrong and they don't want these people to be in this industry and they don't want this industry to be equitable and they don't value women and they don't value these things and i'm just like you know i hate it like it's just not the vibe the cannabis industry should be as diverse as the people who use the plant and until it is it won't be successful so that's didn't mean to go there. Shit. Like, no, I, wanted I mean, to. I'm not surprised. I mean, the whole reason cannabis is illegal in the first place yeah, it was used was as a tool for because of racism too, yeah. to, to lock up, you know, black and brown people. Yeah. Um, so that's so not surprising. Not they want to keep them out yeah. of the industry. Yeah. Terrible, terrible. Yeah. But that's why I've always been pro independent business owner, pro women gay men everyone you know it's just like we've got to do we can we we have to do everything we can every day because they're working overtime i mean even in new jersey like the fact that you can't have a home grow you can't grow your own medicine at home 
That's crazy. That's what Florida's going yeah, for. We're like, in Florida. Oh, yeah, we're in Florida. And, and so it's medical only right yeah, now. Yeah, and oh, oh, who 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 spent all the money on the petitions for 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 something that Correct. doesn't allow for home grow? Uh one surprise. of the biggest dispensaries in the state, yes. truly. And there's no home grow in it. And and the, and and then they try to they try to tell us it's under the guise of oh it's we it's too much we want them to just pass it we want them to just approve it and yeah anybody who loves weeds like yeah sure we'll approve it but the same token like do it the right way I think it's so fucked up that you can grow it and sell it and I I only can buy it from you I can't just sell like granted I am terrible and I will never I don't think I'll be able to grow a plant I mean, every time I try it fails but I hey I want it. I want my right options and but I want the option to be able but to go right. to my neighbor who grows some good yeah, weed I think, instead of going to the big dispensary yeah, I think that's that's just it's it just to show you know, corporation you'll do both I do both. You know, when I have the opportunity to have plants in my backyard, I do. And then I go to the dispensary. I think it just gives people a better appreciation for the plant, a relationship with it. No one says you can't grow carrots in your backyard or you can't have chickens. It's the same thing. But that's what it all comes down to, unfortunately. It's like not just a cannabis issue. It's a world issue right now. It's corporations controlling the government who are controlling what we do with our bodies, with our children's bodies, you know? And I think that's like the other side of it. It is like at the end of the day, um, we're building a very, we have a very inequitable world, you know, it's unfortunate, but you either live in a reality where you pretend that it's not, and you de denying people's truth, or you look at it and you say, no, this is really what it is. And for me, growing up in Louisiana in a small town that was predominantly black, being one of the only people that ever got out of the state in my entire family, you know, it gave me this certain perspective of the world. And then when I got into cannabis, it was like putting a magnifying glass on it. And then being behind the scenes of these corporations, hearing the kind of conversations people have, hearing the truth, you know, they didn't know who I was back then. I was just a little worker bee, but I always had my ears and I was always listening and watching. And I think that's just the the hardest part right now is getting independent business owners, consumers, everybody grouped together to understand that it is a new drug war. It's just a drug war against corporations who want to control our medicine, most likely sell us low grade product for the maximum amount of money danger 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 to the employees there's no worker protections right and then we're supposed to consume this which is such a personal thing you know and i think like that's really just what i've always tried to speak truth to is as a consumer you have to arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible there's a little part in the book that i fought for how to be a conscious cannabis consumer i didn't see people talking about that how do you be a conscious cannabis consumer you research the company, you research who owns the dispensary, you try to see who you're supporting with your dollar because our dollars are so powerful. And the moms of this country, and they, they control it all. Women control the buying power. Women are controlling the household. Women have the power. And I think that's also what it is. It's like, we just haven't heard that, you know, and that's why we have to be empowered to know, like, our, what we do when we purchase, who we support, it really does matter in this industry, especially because they're just such bad people working to 
take away our freedoms and take away our access or control our access. You know, now it's like, okay, well, we have weed, but we want to control it. And it's just like, it's, it's not for the betterment of everyone. And worse, it's not for the betterment of the plant. The plant likes to be in a small batch. You know, she likes to be nurtured and taken care of. She wants that attention in a 50,000 square foot grow. Of course you're growing low, low grade weed. That's just not how the plant enjoys to be taken care of. And, you know, I think time will tell when it comes to how all of this is going to shake out at a federal level um, or not. You know, I think it's probably going to come down to a lawsuit in the Supreme Court, just like all of these other issues. The government doesn't move on them. But ultimately, if consumers are armed with the knowledge and are empowered, they're in control anyways. Yeah. And that's part of what we're trying to do. Uh, yeah. We honestly, we're old school. We're starting to be old school. <laughs> but we're, when we started the podcast, we were very much in the dark in terms of how far the industries come with extracts and topicals and all the kinds of ways that you can use it. So uh, what we're trying to do is also educate consumers and, and give them, you know, all this information because your regular everyday mom, she, she still smoke all day. Yeah, yeah she right. And, and she also might not have the friends or the support or people around her to show her the way. And we've, we've, we're really lucky because we have been friends for a while now, a group of friends that we could share, you know, a group of ladies and which have also some of them have become moms at the, around the same time as us. We have this ability to share the plant with them in person in real life. Whereas we've met a lot of moms over the last few years who have enjoyed our, the podcast that don't have that option. Don't like, have I that wish ability. I had a mom friend that right. I can, well, you know, the other me. thing that we're learning about our bodies and about our minds and about life is that we're better off in community. And what I see you guys building is community. And I think it's the most important thing outside of, you know, having a good relationship with the plants of the world, because in nature is where healing exists. It's where our greatest uh, healing and our greatest understanding of the world around us can be found. But community is like how we thrive as humans. It's not in isolation. Community is a medicine within itself. And building a place where women can connect, especially because cannabis information is shared peer to peer. Um, that's also a big thing and why it's so important what y'all are doing. And women are still so stigmatized for cannabis use, especially parents. That's knowing right. that people are still facing having their children taken away if their cannabis use is outed. There's a whole conversation around cannabis and pregnancy, which they would not let me get into in the book, which super bummed me out. But it is what it is when you're publishing a book and you have a publisher. And then ultimately what I learned writing the essential guide to cannabis for women is that the reason women are so powerful in this cannabis community is because we need the plant more than men because of our hormones, yeah, postpartum, uh -huh. menopause, premenopause. Maria, what, what, what do they got? 
wild. <laughs> like, not to say the men don't need it, but like, y'all just don't have these bodies to work with. And let me tell you, they're not changing at the same rate. Okay. I'm 34 now. And I said, what is going on here? And then I'm like, yes. when I was writing the chapter on menopause, on aging, on uh, postpartum, you know, our lube, like I hear about so many women who they just use it to heal down there. They're just literally putting it up there to get the cannabinoids to really help heal. And I just had this big epiphany and it's like, I created my brand for women. I created my brand. So people who didn't feel that they were a part of the culture could see themselves in it. So this lifestyle that I have could have an audience and a platform. But this book blew my mind after I was like, wow, we are, we are so the ones who need the plant, who need to understand it and need to share information information with each other. And then it goes back to like, there is no money put into women's health. The only money in medical research that goes to women's health is about fertility, especially right now. Fertility is like where all the money is going. It's why we don't have cures for endo and fibro. It's why women so many women die in childbirth still, you know, I mean, it's, I have a friend, it took her over 10 years to get an endometriosis diagnosis. She was going to the doctor and saying, I'm in excruciating pain and they didn't believe her. And it's just so interesting to me that there, there hasn't been even a bigger uprising of cannabis moms and women using cannabis, but I think we're all part of that. And I think that's so important and you guys should be really proud of yourself, especially in Florida, um, killing it. Cause when I saw it, when I, when you guys reached out and I looked at the podcast, I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Like this is exactly <laughs> what people you. need. And we can't ever have enough can of moms out there. We just can't. We, especially cause so many of them are still closeted. So mm -hmm. many of them are still drinking heavily at night. So many of them are overusing pharmaceuticals and, and in the, the mental health pipeline when they could just be using plant medicine instead or in conjunction, you know? And I think that especially with what the research is saying about alcohol, it's just, I guess yeah, now I, you can't compare. We always talk about how you can't compare one with the other. No. No compares. Alcohol's not a medicine. And the fact that you could just buy it so uh, easily. And meanwhile, we got to go to the dispensary and they got to check off how and many. And there's limits. Grams. Here in Florida, we have limits like how much we can get each week, not even like the whole right. month. It's like, oh, you can't get any more than this this week. Right. You have to wait till next week before you can get more. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's just this control, you know, it's just so wild. It's, and, you know, in some ways, it's like, I get it. And then in other ways, I just don't get it. But I think we're going to be that generation that's going to just like bust this wide open. I mean, I we're, still, we're still not in power in the way that we're going to be in the next 10 to 15 years. And I think that's when we're going to see just more change when it comes to these laws. And hopefully we'll get something at a federal level. And a lot of these medical, these tight medical markets will open up. Um, and we'll just keep, you know, educating people and opening up access and, and hyping up people to find their own relationship with the plant. And I think also the medical research, 
because the ban on medical research and cannabis was only lifted in the last, I don't know, maybe like five years or something, six years. That's not a lot of time, especially real studies. They take at least 10 years. Yo. So I think in the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to see a ton more positive science. Um, I was excited to see the, the vice or it wasn't vice, but it was a study that I saw in vice about how it said, weed makes you um come harder and have you know have more sex and <laughs> people there's all of this amazing positivity around cannabis and sex and it's backed by data and it's like i've been knowing this you know i sell weed lube I, i've been knowing this but that's what a lot of people need you know a lot of people want to know what this is safe and that it really works and so i think as the research comes in, we, we're looking at like over half the country has some access to cannabis. I think that it's only just the future is really bright. And that means the future is really bright for all of us when it comes to us being a part of the community. So I'm just putting on all the positive vibes and we're just going to have lucky girl syndrome and we're just going to be like, okay, five to 10 years, we're going to have federal legalization. We're yeah. going to be able to buy this more freely the liquor section is going to get smaller the weed section is going to get bigger and we're going to be able to you know really show people show people the way because i think that's also what it's about it's like when you can coach people and help people find the right dose or the right product for them or just change their mind you know when i have these people who are so anti-weed and then they're like oh my god your gummies i love them i'm like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's my favorite that's my sauce. Yeah, and when you convert a, a somebody that that was like anti weed, that yeah. now they're like popping gummies. Because <laughs> you know what? Literally, they, I'm sure you guys do that a lot. Get a good gummy, you know. Get a good edible or a tincture or something that works for you, other than smoking. You know, it's just a matter of tinctures, finding what regimen works for you. Exactly, tinctures, edibles, topicals transdermals patches there's so much more than smoking i think that even the way that they perpetuate the joints and the the weed and stuff i think it keeps a lot of women away from the plant and i think once they realize like oh i can have a microdose gummy i can have three grams i'm sorry yeah three grams of a dose instead of you know 30 then they're like oh i can clean my house i mean i nothing i love more than getting high and cleaning or organizing or getting a spreadsheet, you know, or understanding like not all weed will give you the munchies. We sell a THCV product, which is an appetite suppressant. Um, and the minor cannabinoids, there's just such a great world for people to discover. And I think it also teaches people how to listen to their bodies, which is something we're not taught. And I think that's also where people are going to feel better and look better is when they learn, yeah, you listen to doctors. Yeah, you should we, we need to have a mixture of all the different types of medicines, but also we're taught not to like listen to our body. The body's keeping score. The body's telling us how it feels. Yeah. And if we can learn how to act on that and adjust to it in these rituals, in these routines, well, that's when you're just like reaching a whole new level of wellness. So it's really, um, it's really exciting to see people just come into the plant and realizing there's so much to discover. And that was Olivia Alexander of Kush Queen. If you are going to be on our trip, if you're a patron and you're going to be on our trip in March, she hooked us up with a bunch of goodies from Kush Queen, including that wonderful bath bomb that we were talking about. I'm so excited to try it. Yeah, that's going to be great. Please, listeners, follow her on Instagram. She's at Kush Queen Shop 
or at the Liva Alexander. Oh, wait, the, the Live Alexander. Alexander. Or uh, go to their website, www.cushqueen.com. That shop. That shop, sorry. Yeah, that was a great interview. She's uh, self-made with the help and support of an amazing mom that was very supportive of yes. her and going into the industry. And it was such a pleasure to talk to her. It was wonderful. Hey, you know who else is a wonderful? You. Our patrons, especially. Especially our patrons. We know you're listening as well. Uh, um, We love you guys. And our sponsors. So thank you to our patrons in the rotation and OG patrons. Yanni. Destiny. Lauren. Jesse. Christy. Denise. Meredith. Peaches. Natalie. Angelina. Jenny. Catherine. Jay. Chrissy. Guillermo. Diane. Gabby. Leslie. And Leslie. Also, thank you to Fluent for sponsoring our show. Hey, you too can become a patron for early access to episodes, additional content, uh, full uncut versions of our interviews, access to our Discord server, exclusive on trips, goodies, 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 goodies. We give our patrons lots of goodies. Yes, definitely lots of goodies. Thanks for watching our show. Subscribe, rate, review, share our content. Check out PostMokeyBombs.com. See you next week. Bye. Bye. It's going to be a long show. There's probably about five minutes to cut in there.